Hello, and welcome to Lovecraft Country Critical, a podcast dedicated to HBO's Lovecraft Country. Hooray! Now, yes, hooray. Well, is it hooray? Because I hear you all once again saying, not this clown, not this buffoon. Where's Emma? Um, well, I've got some news. That's just me. Uh, she Asking that. Yeah, yeah. She's found a little portal to alternate Earths. Mm. Yeah, she's off having the adventures of Emma Phillips. Yep. And then I wrote it down. It's nowhere near as good as the adventures of Orothea Blue. But no, seriously, due to lockdown and having to move house, Emma is without that most precious commodity, the internet. Which means, uh, unfortunately, she really wanted to be in this week's podcast, but she can't because of technical issues. So you are stuck with me once again. And the little fella, Gareth. Hello. All right. Mm, yes. Yeah. Not little John, little Gareth. I'm yes. just like... Emma's Emma's adventures are pretty much as far away as possible from Hippolytus, aren't they? Because they're like uh, off of where we are, Gareth. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, very close to, yeah. to that. But yeah. she can't even access the internet, let alone other dimensions. True. So she is literally useless, is what you're saying. Anyway, she <laughs> will be back next week. She has promised me that she will find somewhere with internet, or hopefully, her internet will be restored oh my God. so uh we also are missing lucy she can be with us this week she's also off for having adventures i don't know what her adventures are but they sound fantastic motherhood probably yeah motherhood that is an adventure in itself gareth so mm. in a way right episode seven of lovecraft country titled i am now uh what we usually do here is we'll we'll talk about our general thoughts on the episode give it the patented blueberry rating uh, that it deserves uh, then we'll go on to the plot, chat in Cthulhu Corner about any Lovecraft references, a bit of Lovecraft lounge, um, and then we'll move on to, of course, listener feedback, where you guys can let us know your thoughts on the show or pose any questions to us. So first up, I'd like to say to you, Gareth, episode six was uh, a high point of the season. We discussed last week how that bottle episode got five blueberries across the board. Uh, yeah. from us I believe now <clears throat> episode 7 coming off the back of that strong episode I want to hear your hot take what are your thoughts on episode 7 I am if you had if we'd started this podcast about an hour ago I think I might have given this a different score um, to what I'm about to give it it's uh... oh, it's mellowed on you it's 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 salivated it's, what's the word cultivated in your brain that's the word I'm I, looking for I've, yeah I've allowed it to, to cultivate um Mm. And I've got to say, my initial reaction as I was watching it was, what? <laughs> yeah, I thought that might happen. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I thought that might happen. And then I thought, oh, my God, if John was still watching this show, what would happen? That was what was going through my head. When the like little alien creatures came bouncing out, I oh, like, loved a bit it. like John. I thought, oh, my God. Imagine John watching this. Oh, so good. Yeah. But I think... As I sort of reflected on it, as this episode got more out there and and more baffling, I actually enjoyed it more. And I think um, mm. I think I realised that when when this show is rooted in reality and and it's confusing, it's a bit shit. But if it goes totally out there and loses its inhibitions and it's confusing still 
then I can kind of let go and I, and I, and I can go with it. And I think that's what happened. I, like, I, I love a sort of cosmic, celestial, yeah, adventure. ethereal adventure. And it, it, because it was, it, it was that, I was able to just let go of my confusion and my uncertainty with how this actually related to the, the show itself. Um, mm-hmm. and, and just enjoyed the ride. And, you know, I, I read, I read a, a comment that, um, I think is really important. It, it, having a, a middle-aged black mother, uh, mm-hmm. from fifties America be the, be the, the protagonist in her own space trip is an absolute yeah. trope destroyer. And, uh, I think, I think it needs applauding for that. I think it needs to be recognized. Um, and said, well done for that. However, on the other side, it takes seven hours to drive from St. Louis to Mayfield, Kansas. Yes, I, I did the research as well, Gareth. I was like, <laughs> wait a minute, this is a big journey. Go on. Go and that's, and that's yeah. if you had a car as well. Um, and it's little things like that that mean I'm going to give this one four blueberries uh, for um, the bits that I really love any listeners who need a bit of context gareth is a geography teacher so whenever you get into any situation talking about how long it takes to travel somewhere or estuaries or rivers or mountains <laughs> or something he loses it has to be so serious well so listen if we just remember if, that yeah if we don't maintain our geography what do we have control over well very good very good point very good point um all right well i've been looking forward to the hippolyta short story as it were because they are like short stories in the book um for the whole season like i think you've probably heard me and emma sort of talk about it go, oh can't wait for this to happen and then everyone's like oh what's gonna happen mm. um truth is, I, this i'll is just re- say sorry yeah sorry to interrupt you before you get into full flow but i think possibly from a um a shonly perspective she's been quite a minor character so that yeah. excitement that you and Emma have been banging on about has, has probably sort of flown over my head a little bit. Mm. Yeah, well, like, well, the thing is, I thought I knew what was going to happen here, and and sort of <laughs> it does happen, right? But once again, they've completely gone in their own direction with it and changed a lot of the key parts about it. And do I think I stuck the land? They stuck the landing. Now, I, in my mind, it was something else, you know, and I was looking forward to seeing something else. Mm-hmm. However, I will say that. Um, the best parts about the storyline in the book were the sort of place you got taken to and the sort of there's this sub-narrative going on with it, um, which is quite interesting. But in terms of what they did here and improving Hippolyta's character along the way and in this journey of like discovery and freedom, um, it's it's better than the book by a mile. Like in terms of just the character development, I think is really important here because you're right, like Hippolyta has come across as this sort of reserved grieving character because obviously she's lost George and that doesn't happen in the book so that's a bit of a change obviously Mm. and also she's come across like throughout the show as just a sort of like sort of really withdrawn and withheld character and then to have her go on this quantum leap like you mentioned but with a with a female middle-aged black protagonist um is it's insane it's bonkers it's insane it's crazy it's out there the episode's um I think it should be applauded for that because although it goes to the most crazy places you, your mind can sort of um, go to, like some of the stuff here, I was like, what is going on? This is this is 
just I loved it because it's got that science fiction strangeness and oddness that 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 we love Gareth you know that cosmic sort of elements that sometimes just blow your mind slightly uh, but then it also had like the cheesy sort of sci-fi tropes going on around this new protagonist and I thought it was I thought it was so much fun I like the way that it was like because obviously like in the book you have Orithia Blue the the comic that Dee writes, right? And the idea is that mm. this is literally her adventure on, you know, it's like we talked about with Tick, being being put into these, um, being put into the stories in which he grew up reading. And that is fascinating, you know? And it's the same thing that happens to Hippolyta here. But it was also like the adventures of black women throughout history, because, you know, there's several here, like Bessie um, Stringfield, the... Black lady on the motorcycle, who was the first to go across the US on a motorcycle. You also had Josephine Baker. Uh, and then you've got the Dahomey tribe, which we're going to talk about later on in the episode. It was great. I'm going to give it five, Gareth. I'm going to give it five. The big it five. Gave, the big know, the five. Big five. It was like Afrofuturist sci-fi and then a spiritual journey. And it's a tale of, you know, power. Like one of our characters just going through this freeing journey you know i loved it i thought it was just to clarify out there just in just in case there are any new listeners five is the maximum yeah. score you can get on the blueberry system um so that is that's high praise indeed um yeah there can be no halves no halves. so that's no why halves we give no halves so I, I i thought and i thought it was weird how they sort of front-loaded the episode yeah with like our current storyline, essentially the main storyline, and then had like a back end of a half an hour dedicated to this. Maybe it would have been better as a standalone once again. Mm. But, you know, I have to say for that half hour where we're on this journey with Hippolyta, wow, great, great stuff and lots to talk about. Indeed. But before we do, we're going to go to a quick advert. Hello, and this is the advert section. So basically, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We appreciate everyone who's listened to the podcast so far this season. We've had great responses, great reviews. You can do that now. Send us a review on iTunes. We really do appreciate that. Um, And if you are listening for the first time, please do subscribe to the channel. That would be a massive favor to us. Um, You know, we, we love hearing from the listeners and we love people listening to the show. So please do subscribe. Uh, If you like anything like Marvels, Avengers, Stranger Things, Game of Thrones, Walking Dead, um, you know, loads of different films, loads of different genres. Uh, We talk about it all here at Fan Critical. All you need to do is search Fan Critical on any podcast app, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, etc. And essentially... You subscribe to that, you get everything. Not only do you get Lovecraft Country, you get our reviews of all of those things I just mentioned, plus so much more, over 225 podcasts over the last two years. If you want to hear us talk about something that you know you think we might have not talked about, we have, I promise you. Go check it out on Fan Critical. And to also say, if you would like to sponsor us further, you can go to patreon.com forward slash fancritical. And on there, if you donate some money to us monthly, you can get access to bonus content. We've got 
loads of cast episodes where we recast films with different actors and different parameters. It's quite funny. We always have a bit of fun with that. You get access to our Discord server. Not only that, you can commission a podcast. We've had commission podcasts of things like Inception, Her, Midsommar, Hereditary, World War Z, the No Country for Old Men, the list goes on. And we are doing more commission podcasts very, very soon. So that is patreon.com forward slash fancritical. Any support would be amazing. It all goes towards operating costs, making the podcast run smoothly, hosting costs, so we can produce more content for you guys, the listeners. And at the end of the day, that's what we want to do, produce high quality content for you guys. So that's patreon.com forward slash Fan critical. Enough of the advert. That's right. Let's get into the plot of episode seven. I am. So we open with Hippolyta trying to figure out Winthrop's orrery. And as I mm. say that, I'd love to say, I'd just like to say it's a lovely word, isn't it? Orrery. Orrery. <laughs> orrery. Very really lovely. It's, it's tough to say, yeah. but it's a lovely, yeah, lovely word. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it looks good. It looks good as well. It's a good looking yeah, It word. does. It does look good. I was just looking at it as I've written it. It's very lovely. Um, we see that her and Dee went to the Arden mansion, found its remains, and also evidence that George was there. They find Diana's comic, The Adventures of Orothea Blue, which is very important for this episode. So it put is. a pin in that. Hippolyta, about to give up on trying to solve the puzzle in the orrery, figures out that the axis of the planets need to be adjusted and open sesame, she gets a key and some coordinates and a saying even that says every beginning is in time and every limit of extension in space. Yep. Wow. Very, very Twilight Zone. Very... um. I philosophical saying that one, isn't it, Gareth? I've I've actually <laughs> stared at that sentence for several hours and tried to figure out what is it trying to say. Mate, you need a job, I, honestly. I do, I do, I do need a job. But we'll come back to that saying throughout the episode because I think when we get to the adventures of Hippolyta later on, I think that saying will be very important. I've got to say though, I've got to say throughout this episode, um, mm. This sort of this this like monologue that Hippolyta goes through every time she's figuring something out. Yeah, I think it's yeah. I think it's supposed to help us to understand yes. what her thinking is. I've not got a clue what is going on at any point. Um, she's very clever. She's very clever. Um, she's very clever. In the book, she's extremely clever. You've even had a line of dialogue from her earlier in this season where she said, "I actually discovered this comet." that they're looking at in the planetarium. Yeah. And this is actually an amazing story. We've talked about it before, how she wrote, wrote in to name the comet. And uh, when she reads who, like, because obviously at that, at that time, you just pick up the book, uh, a, a magazine or an article and it will say, oh, it's been named. And it was the same name that she chose, but it was actually named by like a white girl from England. Mm-hmm. Um, and she felt robbed of that ability to have that, that, that sort of comet named after her. She's always been fascinated by astronomy mathematics and that sort of thing and she's very um very clever character so i get what you mean the working out um literally later on the visualization of that i I found (laughs) to be unnecessary 
But it's very, um, very beautiful mind, isn't it? I literally was about to say to you, it's a beautiful mind. Yes, it's very much like I, we just don't need that. Like, I guess it's for me, I've got the context of the, of the book. So I know she's an extremely smart character because I'm in her head. Uh, but I guess for people watching the show for the first time, um, a visualization of that isn't the worst thing ever. So quite a cool opening. I love the title sequence. I love the name of the episode. I love the orrery, as we said. So very good start. Orrery. Um, in Orrery, yes. Let's keep saying that throughout the episode. Lovely word. Um, this is when I realised that this episode is not going to be a bottle episode and it shifts focus to Christina or Will Tina, uh, whatever you want to call her, showing Ruby the suspended corpses of William and Dog Lady from episode two um, mm. that she has been transforming into. Um, she explains how she wasn't let into the order uh, as she's a woman. So yeah. she seduced and befriended William uh, into teaching her and then realized that she can actually be way more powerful than um, any of these, you know, Order of the Ancient Dawn or whatever they are called uh, people. Uh, and she also says that everything she said to Ruby about caring for her is true. So lots to unpack there. I found myself rolling my eyes a little bit at this point. Um, just the, the exposition-y dialogue... Um, yes. annoyed me. Uh, Christina is a exposition machine. Uh, that, she really is. Like I, I yeah, I, that that how, is what she's yeah. there for. And mm. I mean, just just you know, I, I think we know. I think we get that she why the, the whole sort of oh yeah, women weren't allowed into the order. Um, mm-hmm. Her dad wishes that we, she had a son, yeah. uh, that he had a son. Like uh, that's. Uh, that's fine. I don't. We don't need to keep hearing that. And mm. uh, yeah, I do think it fleshed out a character a bit more. Like I said, like last week, I, I've always been sort of opposed to the character just because of the change. I've got over that now, and okay. I've sort of accepted that's the case. And I said last week that well, not last week, sorry, the week before when it was the Ruby transformation episode that she had improved a bit in my eyes. This is fine. Fu- this is fine. This is this is better. Um, I felt that. I felt that this episode is is about women, you know, a bit more because it's, you know, it's not just talking about Hippolyta as a as a black person. It's talking about her as, as a woman mm. as well and, and sort of the fact that she's shrunk her personality um, to fit in with her marriage and her family. Um, and that could happen to lots of women at the time. And the other thing is with Christina... I understand why they've made the change. Obviously, I've said this before, but they're they're starting to dovetail that narrative of how Christina feels a bit, um, you know, shut out from the order. She feels she's not allowed to do things. She's been restricted. They're sort of dovetailing that with some other characters now, which makes it a bit more interesting to me. You know what I mean? It feels like they're sort of bringing it together a little bit more, which uh, which I'm enjoying. I'm glad you're enjoying that. I'm not getting a lot from that part of the story at the moment. I've got yeah, to be honest. Yeah, I think that might change in the next few episodes, hopefully. But um, I think I think she's evolving as a character, and and it's better. It's better. It's still not, you know, it's still not um, the character that I wanted from the book. But it is, you know, we're getting some elements of it, so that's good. Okay, moving on to Letty, who is having some dreams and visions, the same ones that Atticus had chasing Hannah, his great-great-great-great-grandmother, through the burning Arden mansion. Uh, 
Um, but in this vision, Letty is also pregnant. And on fire. Um, and on fire, yeah. Um, do you think, hmm. do you think, is she is she seeing this vision now because she's got the sort of, the bloodline in her? Interesting. Wow, didn't think about that. That is very interesting. Um, well, that is a good reason. And I am going to say that is better than any reason I can come up with. So, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I was a bit confused by this. Obviously, like, it, this isn't in the book, once again. So, um, I was just left clutching at straws and scrambling around what's going on. But that is a very plausible reason, for sure. I mean, the other option is that she's eating too much cheese before she goes to bed. Yeah, I have it's probably weird one of those two. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're definite weird dreams when you eat cheese before bed. Um, but she tells Atticus of the dream and they figure out that Hannah is trying to tell them that she left with the book of names, not as Lucy hates so much the pages, not just the pages. We need more pages. We need stationery. We need paper. The whole book, Gareth, this is the whole book of names, the whole book of names. That's interesting to me that there is a copy of this book in its entirety um, that the that these guys don't know about Titus Titus Braithwaite's book of names. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. Wasn't it the specific pages that were the important bit? Like, is the rest well, of the rest of the pages just sort of drawings or like musings on the day? Is it actually going to be helpful? I think they need the whole book to understand. The, the the pages on the with the, that they have they don't have the breadth of knowledge to decipher or wield the way they want to but to have the whole book now that would give them the ability to interpret the book as a as a whole thing and be able to understand how to wield uh the spells the magic the natural yeah, okay. philosophy okay um yeah. so yeah. i think that's why they they want it um you know, it makes all the getting getting the pages redundant, really, if they go with this. But, you know, it is what it is. So that's good. So they go, you know, they're going to go off to see Montrose, which leads to something very interesting in a minute. Because Montrose and Sammy, um, this is this is some good stuff. Sammy, Sammy spent the night at Montrose's. And after that transformative, incredible scene, still one of the highlights of the entire season, that Montrose scene. Um he appears to have truly changed. You know, we're seeing some more intimacy between these two characters. And that was interesting to me because it shows this evolution. But then he sort of renades on that and, and pushes pushes Sammy away. Now, as he does this and Sammy leaves the apartment and, you know, he goes to stop him, Tick and Letty turn up. And this is, you know, this is awkward this is hashtag walks situation here, Gareth, because this is this is what Tick had heard a rumor about. Tick then confronts him and says, "It's true, you know, you are gay." Um, and the reaction I thought from Michael K. Williams, just the acting, I loved it. I thought it was so good. I thought Michael K. Williams in this scene was um, fantastic. Um, he he was fucking good, wasn't he? When he like he's ripped, good, and he when he when shirt. he turns it on, oh. He's good, and he he's a good actor. Ian. I, yeah, I think um, so. I, I agree. I think this is a great scene. I actually think this is a cracking scene. Um, all of it. The um, like it seems to me like 
uh, Montrose, when he gets up, he's sort of he's in a he's in a good mood, but then and he, he seems he seems a little more at peace, and then mm. it doesn't take much to to remind him of like the reality of the situation. I think just the fact that um, uh, that there was a risk that a neighbour might have discovered what was going on yeah. has has sort of set him off again. Mm. I think as well, Gary, just to stop you there, I think like the risk is real. Like the risk isn't um the risk isn't that he'll be found out and then looked down upon. I think the situation is he's he's afraid for his life. Like I think at that time being a homosexual black man had, you know, t- just the amount of fear that you would live with that something someone would you know, come after you, something could happen to you, I think was very real. So I think it's sort of a, he's trying to preserve him, himself, like in the public eye, but also at the same time, trying to protect himself from having a even bigger target on his back, if you get what I mean. So I I understand what the need for privacy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not, uh, not downplaying that. Um, But then, Mm. I mean, the timing for Tick and Letty to come yeah. then, like in that second. If they'd come two seconds later, he could have just pretended it, it was shouting at the window cleaner or something. Like it could have been anything. But just that moment, it's like, oh, for fuck, what are you doing here? What are you what, doing here? Yeah. Why Literally he hasn't now? seen him for a while since obviously Tick beat the shit out of him. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and. Tick doesn't go, oh, right, yeah, you are gay. He goes, like he says, so you're a fag, it's true. And he uses that slur, he uses that that homophobic slur. Bit of controversy about this online, wondering what you think of it. Because, I, I mean, I, I don't think... I don't know, I don't think, it, I don't think it's necessarily a... Um, supposed to be like a, a terrible... A terrible slant on his character, Tick's ca- yeah. character, to use that. I think there's a few things going on there. There's a context of the relationship with his dad, as well as the context of the time that he's living in, that I think all adds up. Um, but at the same time, I don't think the characters are supposed to be perfect in any way. No, um, I I thought that the moment I heard the the the, the sort of line from him there, I was like, oh, that's interesting. But then I straight away was like, well. He he doesn't. He's not mad at him for for the way he for the person he is and the person he's been hiding. He's mad at him for all the beatings he took throughout his childhood, where he believed it was because his dad was trying to make him stronger. But it's actually he's realised because his dad had so many insecurities um, yeah. from from himself, and that's the thing that Tick finds frustrating. I don't. So in terms of that, I actually think the character doesn't have an issue with the fact that his dad is homosexual. I think it's more to do the fact with his dad is homosexual. So beat him up throughout his whole childhood. Not only on top of that, you've got the fact that his, he finds out now that his mother knew. Um, and that's a revelation to tick because tick always had it like the, his mother would never lie to him kind of thing. And obviously she did. So I think ticks processing a lot of things here. And I think the fact that he, he reacts the way he does is more to do with the way that he was treated as a child and not to do with the reveal, if you understand what I mean. So that, yeah. that, that was my that was my take on it. Anyway, so I don't see it as a slight on his character. I think it's I think it's just how he reacted in the moment 
processing his whole life now and analyzing his whole life through a different lens his whole childhood you know um so yeah some some heavy heavy stuff Letty gets the information about um some relatives on Tick's mother's side from <laughs> Montrose though <laughs> as this say. is going on I was like that's terrible timing mate just leave it for a day or two at least that would have been a strange conversation like uh, yeah He's like, um, what are you doing here? And then she's like, oh. <laughs> I don't think they would have had that conversation personally. I, you know, I would have been like, let's just leave it a couple of days. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Jesus. Um, I, I'll see you later. Montrose. Bye. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's, you know, come on. Yeah. Not, not, yeah. oh yeah. Just while I'm here. Um, do you know anything about this book? Yeah. And <laughs> no. So, um, they find out there's relatives in St. Louis, so they go to get Woody. Woody is, of course, the car, George's mm. car, that he used to go around and check out all the places for the, the Safe Negro travel guide. Um, but Hippolyta is going on a little road trip of her own, solo this time, leaving Dee with Ruby. Um, so this was interesting that Ruby is babysitting Dee, and Hippolyta is clearly going to wherever this key leads to, because obviously there were some coordinates there. Tick and Letty don't get to use the car. So Tick has to take the bus. So they specifically point out that Tick doesn't have a car. He, he's yep. not in a car. Okay, just mm-hmm. just establishing that. Um, okay, all good. Yeah, you're establishing that. So you, you, what you're saying is put a pin in that. Put, put a, a pin, pin in that. that. And just and then, you know, yeah. if any if any cross state travel is required yeah. later on in the episode, yes. it might if. be more difficult because he hasn't got a car, uh, which has been mm. pointed. Just only if that comes up. Just saying. Yeah. Okay. If it comes up, we will revisit this. Okay. Um, so Ruby and Letty, they uh, they get a chance to reconcile after the fight they had in episode three. Remember that? That was a long time ago with the the, the sort of horror house episode. Um, I love that episode. It's mad that they haven't spoken since then, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's mad. How long do you reckon um, that is in in show time? I would say at this point several months, um, just because of uh, yeah, right. You know, if you even look at Montrose last week, he was beaten to a pulp. Remember the injuries that he had a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. Today, he's got no injuries. I would say the time span so far has been six months from start to finish of the show. Yeah. Okay. Uh, start to this point of the show. So about a couple of months, what's, I'd say. What's the um, what's the longest you and I have gone without talking after an argument? I remember we had one when we were about 15 and we didn't talk for a week. Remember that? I, it felt like a couple of days, not really a week. A week's a bit no, strong, it's, isn't it? It's a long. It was a long time. Difficult, yeah. difficult well, week for me. But. Difficult week. We were next door neighbours, so that's the way it is. Um, right, so they reconcile. And is there an ulterior motive here from Ruby? She seems very keen to find out about Tick's movements and whereabouts. Doesn't she, Gareth? <sighs> she does. Um, you know, the I, I, I know as, um, I was critical of the Christina... Uh, scene earlier but I do quite I do I am kind of intrigued by their relationship Ruby and Christina um, mm. and I I, yeah. I wonder whether there's maybe a romantic element to it which is possibly yes. why Ruby is is willing to do a little bit of spying for her well she's also addicted to the drug 
That too. Uh, the white white person drug that she's taking literally every single day. Um, I, yeah, that is interesting to me. That relationship. Uh, we'll talk about it now. But just how she's Christina said, oh, what I was saying was me. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, exactly. I, exactly. I think she, she, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if she's manipulating Ruby here to to get what she wants. Mm. So we know that Christina is a very willful character. She's executed her father and all the other men- members of the Ancient Dawn in that ceremony. So uh, she she can certainly, you know, do away with people when she doesn't need them. So I'd be interested to see if this is genuine, but let's uh, let's see how that evolves. Interesting here, we get more revelations that Letty might be pregnant because of her reaction to Ruby's cooking. <laughs> yeah, I thought she's just a shit cook. If someone did that to my cooking, I'd be like, "What? What are you doing? I've just cooked I, the whole dinner for you, mate." I know, and you use a lot of garlic in your cooking as well. So I do. Letty I do. Garlic is lovely. I, on the other hand, I massively appreciate garlic, so keep it up. And I'm unlikely to get pregnant. Unlikely, but possible. Um, so this is interesting. Letty goes and discovers the orrery is in Hippolyta's room, the thing that orrery. Christina was looking for. Yes, orrery once again. And um, tells Tick, and Tick is instant Louis, uh, and he's having a lovely chat with this old lady about <laughs> the Book of Names, which turns out, was destroyed in the Tulsa massacre. Um, now, yeah. I, I'm still wanting to see Tulsa realised on this show in some way because Watchmen did such a fantastic job of it. And in the book, uh, Lovecraft Country, uh, the, the the massacre is, is mentioned several times for the history of George and, and Montrose and how they escaped that that whole situation yeah. and the belongings they were able to save and stuff like that. And I still think the show, this show needs to go there. I think it needs to go there to give some context to some of this. I can't see, I can't see the book being destroyed. Um, they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't go to the effort of having no. Hannah escaping with it and, and telling, telling Tick and Letty that she's escaped with it without it coming up. And I think that there will be a flashback to the Tulsa Massacre um, that will show the book somehow escaping Tulsa. I'd also predict they won't do it as well as Watchmen because... That's uh, I think be- the Watchmen's, the Watchmen stuff was, was I mean, so well realised and, and it was a current through line actually throughout the season. Um, like this is, but they just haven't shown it yet. And obviously Watchmen opens up that way, doesn't it? Um, What I will say here is that I've talked about this before on the podcast about how there is a book in the um, Freeman family that is so important. And that is the the, the book of debt that they're owed from their time in slavery. And that book is rescued from the Tulsa massacre by Montrose and George. And um, that is what, the Braithwites are using as sort of they steal that book from them and then they have to do a trade between these pages and their book so it's this story of these two books that are you know very personal to to the Freemans and I thought that was very interesting that they didn't go that way in the Mm. show but uh, it is what it is interesting so we join Hippolyta as she gets to the observatory Um, and let's just say now that Letty calls Tick tells Tick that 
you know, so this is where your geography is going to come in, Gareth, that, mm-hmm. that she's gone to the observatory tonight. It's already night time, bear in mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's yeah, it's night time when she gets there, yeah. And, and you want to say it takes seven hours for her him to get there, right? Seven hours? I mean, seven look, hours. I, I'll be honest, I, I, I Google Maps it, and it takes seven hours and uh, six minutes, I believe, to drive there. Um, now, and he hasn't got a car. He hasn't got a car. So she, I think it's about 500 miles to get mm. there. Um, so he might have run the uh, the 471.8 miles um, <laughs> from yeah. St. Louis to Mayfield. Um, uh, I think... Even then, have, yeah. he's going to have to have predicted that she's at this observatory, at this, at this observatory which she... No, but he's got, the, he's got the coordinates, though, hasn't he? Right, okay. So he's got the coordinates. So he is also, presumably, he has some sort of bird ancestry which allows him to hone in <laughs> on exact coordinates uh, well um, mate he is he is match he has got magic literally running does. through his veins so don't question tick but i will say i'll let it off because i'll let it off because it's it is a bit silly but there's so many explanations of how he could have got there the old lady could have had a car uh, and gave him the car who knows but um <laughs> hippolyta anyway she she's at she's at the observatory uh, and she discovers a machine a sort of time machine now it's not really a time machine. It's actually an alternate dimension machine. Alternate Earth machine. That's what I'm going to call it. That's what I mm. think it is anyway. And as she's figuring it out, and we've talked about this already, beautiful mind, you know, you've got Pythagoras's theorem in the top left corner of the screen. You've got your obtuse <laughs> angles. You know, you, you're yeah. sitting there working the square root of pi and, you know, you're doing all this shit out. If a train leaves Seattle at 10.20 and <laughs> arrives in yeah, Portland exactly. at 11.40, how long did it stop? Um, exactly. Yeah, all she's of that. Working, she, she's working out how Tick could get there as fast as he did. That's what she's doing. We get it. She's very clever. She is very clever because she figures out the machine. And this machine, as I said, goes to alternate Earths. Uh, But as she's about to activate the machine, two police officers sent by Captain Lancaster, the the terrible Captain Lancaster. He he is a massive dick. We do hate him. And they apprehend her. But before they can arrest her, Tick jumps in, saves the day. (laughs) um, Absolutely annihilates one of the guys who then gets thrown into the portal see ya and um the other guy gets shot by hippolyta which i thought was very interesting decision for her to shoot the guy um so that's a big character moment obviously and then as this is the chaos is happening the machine's been hit by a gun um hippolyta and tick both get sucked in to this other dimensional machine uh, and transported it seems to a far away uh, right, couple of couple of things here, Gareth. Thoughts and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, some big big moments. Because this is where you, you you don't know what's going on here, so you're like, "Wow, this is mental. What is this?" Yeah. Uh, so the I mean, first of all, just back in the observatory when um, <laughs> when the policemen are coming down and they're like, "Oh yeah, thank you for doing this favor for Captain Lancaster." It's like, okay, all right. This is, this isn't natural conversation um don't don't cram it in um could have done without that 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 can come up later that it was it was a lancaster thing um you're right i think you're right to point out the uh the shooting of the policeman because 
of something that comes up a bit later, and I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit more. But she does talk about how she wants to kill white people. Um, mm-hmm. Like she has that feeling. Um, well, you know, she's 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 done it at least once here. Um, and I've got to say, when I saw the portals happening and the pol- the policemen go into it, I thought, please let us see what happens the other side of this portal. And uh, and I was I was really pleased that we got to, and I yep. mean the amount of freedom that comes with that it's it's like it's like Rick and Morty you know the the fact that you've got a, a portal gun just means that you can set up any environment and any any circum set of circumstances that you possibly want, um, and in a way it's kind of amazing that we just end up in like 1950s France um mm. but that's that's that is absolutely fine I'm not criticizing that um like I said at the time I, I was going oh my god what the fuck is going on here but as soon as I as soon as that as soon as this episode finished it I I, I did I loved this bit I loved this episode from this part onwards um and you know this this first planet that we kind of arrive on. There aren't many overt Lovecraftian references yeah, in this, this show. Yeah, this is Lovecraftian and in its design. This feels Lovecraftian. Yeah, mm. um, I might maybe maybe I'll talk about that a little bit more in a bit more detail later. But yeah, she's obviously got this um, this bizarre structure building mm. in front of her. This this structure of some sort. I will say this off the bat. I have a small gripe with this. Uh, with something that happens throughout this whole sequence and it's the fucking coordinates popping up in the bottom left corner I oh, felt... I, I, I forgot about that because I decided to forget about that yeah so I actually felt like obviously I, I know what they're trying to do but I just felt it was a bit cheap I felt it was very cheap but not in the sort of cheap fun sci-fi way that happens later on In I thought it was cheap it was just a bit like I don't know NCIS or something to like kept using that like you know the scrolly matrix code noise that they use whenever they put new coordinates yeah. that it just oh it kept taking me out of the moment so it's just a small gripe I gave it five everyone but that really annoyed me um, so as you said Hippolyte is transported to a far off planet and abducted by a strange extraterrestrial which at first to me seemed like a robot obviously but then we see it's a black woman and she proclaims she's in some sort of prison cell. She proclaims, "You are not in prison. That is what you, this is. That's where you want to be." The the messages that she gives are are interesting, um, and uh, I think I think the best part of dialogue from her is uh, is is when um, when Hippolyta says, "Like, who are you?" and she says, "I am," and I think that's the that, that's just a message a message to Hippolyta that you know you you are as well like finish that sentence yeah. yourself it's um, this idea of naming which is something that i've not done myself but i understand that in in therapy is quite an important thing like to to, to name yourself to what what is wrong like that you know try and figure that out at the start of like therapy um and this whole thing is her understanding what has been wrong with her life up to this point so when she says you want to be in prison that's because she imagines herself prisoned you know what I mean? And then yeah. she says, where do you want to be? Uh, she sarcastically replies, dancing in Paris with Josephine Baker. And with that, she's promptly whisked, whisked away 
at her own command and she's there dancing or should I say not dancing she's she doesn't know any of the moves she's just ruining the show Gareth she's ruining the show um I mean if I was at that show she yeah. would have been my favorite part yeah that honest. would have been interesting wouldn't it been like is she the main character or is Josephine Baker the main character I don't know what's going on here um but this is interesting you know she's she loves her, her new life she's free she's happy a hippolyta that we've never seen before um so they she's there for months we see you know drinking we see partaking of drugs this freedom that she's never experienced in her life um and then hippolyta and josephine are you know talking and she confides in her the freedom that she now feels uh, as being part of josephine's troop Obviously, this is like saying, like, you know, she grew up. <laughs> there are places in the world where black black people, black women went that weren't as oppressive as America in the 50s. You know, in terms of this this time in France was a, a bit more liberal, right, Gareth? Uh, a bit more sort of accepting. Um, and this is showing Hippolyta that there was there is another way, you know, that. That the, what she's been living isn't the only way, you know, um, which I thought was very interesting. I read I read a little bit about how um, at at this time some some black women went from America to Europe and to to France and sort of experienced a. a I don't. I mean, I don't know the extent to which this was the case, but a slightly more liberal society and. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and a slightly more equal society, uh, if if you can be slightly more equal. But you, you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. edging towards towards equality um, a little bit quicker than America might have been at the time. And how a lot of them um, actually went back to the States to in an attempt to try to improve the quality of life for, that for is black good. people. Yeah, that is fascinating. Um, back home for them. Um yeah, yeah, it was interesting, and and I I wonder whether if you think about that, if you extrapolate that a little bit or apply that to that's what Hippolyta has done story she's doing it's kind throughout, of what she yeah. chooses to do throughout yeah. the whole actual story. So the interesting thing here is she also says that she's furious at white society for making her who she was. Um, essentially, she even says here lynching her without the noose. I thought that was a very powerful line um, about how. She's constrained by the society in which she lives. Um, Then she proclaims, I am Hippolyta. And she is once again transported. Now, Hippolyta, obviously, queen of the Amazons, right? So when she... You're just taking everything, the the most important part of Cthulhu Corner. Sorry, mate. It's going to happen. But uh, so she's Hippolyta, obviously, queen of the Amazons. But this is actually the Dahomey tribe that she is transported to. The Dahomey Amazons, right? Um, And people might recognize this sort of tribe because they were the basis for the Black Panthers, Dormelage. Okay, so the Dormelage, obviously amazing female warriors within the Black Panther universe. But the Dahomey Amazons were the sort of inspiration. And I thought what was interesting here, Gareth, is she's obviously been transported to this tribe and she's being taught how to be a warrior to face off against an warrior ar- warrior to face off against an army of american confederate soldiers it seems 
um, and she gets a montage here, um, eventually becoming like the general, it seems, of this tribe, which I thought was pretty cool. And I thought cinematography here was amazing. Um, what did you think about it? What did you think about this This sort of... This is a big leap. We've just gone from 1950s France and now we're going to essentially thousands of years... Uh, thousands of years ago. Now we're going to this tribe on the other side of the world where she's learning to fight. Uh, literally talking... She's just talked about wants to kill white people. Then she's literally killing Confederate soldiers in this big battle. What was your thoughts on that? Yeah, so it seems like this... Um, uh dimension that she's in or set of circumstances that she's in just whatever her desire or wish will be fulfilled i'll um just to to give a little more context around this i i did i read people saying that this might have been uh, american confederate soldiers it's probably more likely that it's um it's french soldiers yeah possible Um, because the uh the dahomey amazons are from modern day Benin, yeah, which, which is, yeah. um, which was a French colony, and they they literally like that. It's incredible this like all female um, military group, and they they were they were active until like the early twentieth century, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, so they were they were they were fighting the French rather than <clears throat> the Americans, but but yeah, what better symbol of kind of white oppression or like um who who more could you want to fight um as a as a black person i think than than european colonizers yeah um surely that's that's it's just a, it's a it's a massive part of this narrative i think as a as a whole mm. um was that that colonization by the europeans of these of these groups that I mean, just even 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 the the Dahomey Amazons, like that name was given to them by Europeans. They that was a that was a group that was a, a like an ethnic group that spanned yeah. over a few countries, like the, the present day countries, because Europeans just come in and go. Do you know what? We'll just label this bit and yeah, turn this. Yeah, we'll turn this into something else, and they don't get to name themselves. Uh, so it's. I think it all ties in. I think this naming thing. Is a really important part of this narrative, um, the 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 idea that that Hippolyta gets to name herself, and I think that's part of what's happening here as as well. Definitely, good good point. And you know, I thought as well, like if it was Confederates, right? Now this is just interesting to me as well. Like John Carter of Mars has been referenced throughout the show. It's also one of the biggest references in the mm-hmm. book something that Atticus reads, and that is an idea of a Confederate soldier being transported to another world and, you know, fighting for freedom of Mars, right, which is bizarre. And here you've got (laughs) Hippolyta literally being transported across the universe to a different dimension or whatever, same Earth or whatever in the future, past, whatever, and she's killing Confederate soldiers in this otherworldly setting. I thought it was very interesting to me stylistically and from a sort of sci-fi pulp kind of way. I um I thought it was an interesting decision. But uh, she yeah. does. So you know when yeah. you said to me earlier today, Len, um, hey Gaz, do you want to do uh, do you want to do Cthulhu Corner for me? Yeah. Um, and I said, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Yeah. Um, did are we just cancelling that now? Or <laughs> uh, we can have a chat in there. There's some stuff because there's book differences that we can talk about. I'd like to talk about the book storyline 
That's something we could definitely do in Cthulhu Corner. But uh, cool. sorry about that. I just wanted to say John Carr because it's a terrible film that uh, is apparently, you know, quite an interesting read. So I don't know. Anyway, hmm. but then after all this chaos, she takes a moment of tranquility um, and she says that she is Hippolyta, George's wife, wife. And then she wakes up in bed with George. And I was like, yay, George is back. Or at least an alternate version of George. Um, oh, I miss George. Mm. Oh. A, a very hesitant version of he George. He does seem very hesitant, doesn't he? There's one point where I was like, has my screen frozen? Or is he just thinking? He went on for like 20 I, seconds. I honestly thought the same thing. I honestly, thought the same thing. Honestly. I was like, he hasn't even blinked. What's happening here? Yeah, I was like, well, he was, I was like is he a robot? Is this going to go weird? No. <laughs> <laughs> George needs fuel. <laughs> <laughs> i am a pleasure but <laughs> literally yeah fair enough um so this is interesting to me because hippolyta finally it feels has the chance to tell george something that's been weighing on her heart since before the events of the series even began and that's the sense that we get the sense that she's you know always can can sort of been within herself, never really allowed to do the things that she wanted to do. She had to conform to their marriage, to the world that she lives in, in America at that time, the family that she's trying to grow. And even when she was like asking George, can I come on the next trip with you? He was like, oh, maybe I'll think about it. Like having to ask permission to go on a trip with her husband. Like like (laughs) she was always just stuck and shrinking and becoming something else like that she didn't want to be and she's finally able to say that throughout all her grief of losing George she's able to say hey look you know you need to acknowledge me for who I am you you shrank me you didn't allow me to be who I wanted to be I love you but you also contributed me to be the way that I am now and I I want to be me i want to be free i want to explore so i thought this was a very interesting scene it was also that was the line that sort of made george freeze for 20 seconds so i was like he really is yeah (laughs) does not compute no uh yeah so (laughs) what do you think about this i thought this was good because we've just gone from crazy battles to intimacy uh in a way that she's never actually even said to george probably yeah i suppose it also shows sort of the uh, the layers or the levels of oppression, mm. for want of a better word, yeah. that uh, a character or a person like Hippolyta in this situation might have. Um, you know, there's the, uh, the the racial oppression that um, goes back for you know generations, and uh, and then the yeah the 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 sexual oppression which. I think what I what I quite like about this is that there's no um, there's no insinuation that that George was a an oppressive character. Yeah, or he just like did a, it a malicious character. No, he just did it way. out of like just the way in the world in which he lives. He believes that's the way the exactly. world conforms to. Like, and yeah, that's the yeah. thing. And obviously, being we've talked about this before, but being a you know, being black in 1950s America was obviously very difficult. Being a black woman was extremely hard, especially in terms of even less freedoms. It feels that like Hippolyte has got here, even less freedom, you know, and, and, and I think that's the thing. This is, this is her freeing herself finally um, on this journey or discovery. Right. Um, yeah. 
And also, like you say, just nice to see George again. It's lovely to see um, George. Well, I did think for a moment that she might just sort of choose to stay here and 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 just live in this nah. alternate universe. Let's go to seventies awful sci-fi is much better so i was buzzing <laughs> when they she decided to take george with her on this honestly hilarious adventure to 1970s style sci-fi um and it's it's, it's great like these little green monsters come up and they give him some sort of like amethyst or something i was like what is going on here i was like i wish john was watching this because he's so good um I, it's just so funny, man. These little blob-like creatures. They kind of look like a realisation of the Claw aliens from... Um, 100%. From Toy Story, 100%, you know? 100%. That is exactly <laughs> what I thought they were. There's three of them as well. And I was like, they always go... The Claw. The Claw. They are. They're them. Yeah, it's exactly. Incredible. So it's good. Not, it's not often you get, you know, uh, sort of... <laughs> a, a, a TV show that manages manages to combine sort of yeah. racial oppression and uh, and 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 sexualization and um, magic and Toy Story characters. And like Toy this Story is characters, an, it's yeah. an incredible it's an incredible mix. It's a good it's, it's a good job they're doing. Um, and this was great. She sort of lives out the adventures of Orothea Blue with George in tow. I thought this was great stuff. Now they've done this thing throughout the season where they. They put like real dialogue or poetic dialogue or congressional dialogue or speeches that they've heard throughout history under sort of under underlaying the uh, images that we see. So this is Sun Ra and this is the his film. Yeah. Space is the place. Right. And that's so the film follows Sun Ra after he returns to Chicago for many years of space travel with his orchestra. That was his sort of ever evolving jazz band uh, and in a meeting with the overseer a devil-like figure stationed in the desert Sunra agrees to play a game of cards to win the black community uh, Sunra's goal is to transport the american black community to a new planet he discovered while on his journey uh, and he hopes to use as a home for an entirely black population um i thought that's fascinating that they use this excerpt um and when I was doing research about it, I was like, this is so interesting to me. Um, and I, I, we've questioned the use of this dialogue before. Has it worked? I think it's been so 50-50 and hit and miss. I think this one hit for me. I think this one really did work with the sort of otherworldly, you know, setting that we were seeing. Yeah. Um, I think the, uh, like, I don't know, the, the use of the word myth in it is is kind of cool as well like yeah um like you know i i'm mm. not i'm not reality i am a, i'm a myth um because uh, as he goes on to say uh, black people are a, a myth it i it, it 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 works it works really well in this uh this cosmic setting and yeah sun Rao, he's um like he was known for his cosmic philosophy so definitely applies just out of interest, Len, what, which ones, which of the sort of spoken word dialogues d- didn't work for you? Because I've got one clear. The only one is one the ritual, the actually. Uh, Whitey on the Moon, I felt, had moments it, it, where it works. But yeah. 
just from a book perspective, I think that took away from the ceremony and how... Anyway, it's difficult to say, but I, I, I felt that's the weakest one. But I know throughout the group and throughout online, it's been much discussed how sometimes these have hit and sometimes these haven't. Um, she then uh, basically gets to confront the extraterrestrial entity from the beginning and she's given a choice to integrate into their society or to return to Earth. She chooses Earth uh, because of D. Uh, but we now know uh, that she chooses that because she finally has a choice for the first time in her life. This is her decision, right? Which I thought was very interesting as a sort of concept. She's been on this journey of discovery. She's lived these multiple lives. She's had that adventure she needed. She's she's had this sort of therapeutic spiritual journey and then decided to still go back to Earth. Like you said, Gareth, about people... Uh, maybe leaving France and going back to America to sort of try and improve the situation there. It's an interesting exactly. take. Exactly. On. Well, this is it, and you know the the those 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 people that went to France, experienced life there, came back and tried to improve uh, life for for black people in America. They they're not necessarily doing that for themselves, are they? They're doing it for sort of the next generation, and that's very much the the planting same situation trees, here. Guys. Planting trees, indeed. indeed. Yes. Um, um, so she, she opts to go back to Earth, but we actually don't see her return to Earth. We only see Atticus return. We have no idea what adventures he's been on, but we do. What's he know got in his hand? He's got a book titled Lovecraft Country. Um, I've heard of that. I, I was literally, I was literally like, I paused it and I said, "Does that say by Matt Ruff on it?" Because I was like, "This has just got too, me- it's got too meta." It's, <laughs> it's like, too it's, just, it's too much. Come no, on, but much. no, it's written by George Freeman, so that's very interesting. Obviously, in an alternate Earth, George survived. Imagine wrote, if he had, r- imagine right, if he had the book version. Yeah. Where it was like uh, by by Matt Ruff, and then it said like now an HBO series. Oh my god, uh, I with was a like of. Of, Atticus on yeah. there. Oh my god. He's gone to our dimension where we're watching him. It's bizarre. Um so very meta, but it's written by George. So obviously he's been speaking with George in an alternate timeline. Um this is fascinating to me. Can't wait to hear what he what he's been through. Um we also see that there is a copy of Orithea Blue's adventures on the on the ground with the dead police officer. So we know that Lancaster will be after whoever wrote this comic, which will be D, which will probably happen next week. And I can tell you there's some scary stuff on that storyline. So hold on to your hats, people. Hold on to those hats. And that's the end of the episode. Uh, a cosmic adventure of discovery for, like you said, Gareth, a middle-aged black woman subverting all tropes and finally freeing herself from the constraints of her marriage, from the constraints of her life, and also getting over the grief of losing George. I thought a fantastic episode with amazing special effects and just a roller coaster ride for the last half an hour that honestly, if you had written it down on paper, no one would believe that is a coherent episode of television. But it is. No. And do you know, do you know what? Like, uh, talking about it has has made me appreciate it even more. Mm. Um, it's a I, discussion it more piece, now isn't than it? I did at mm. the start. Yeah, but and also I think you're right. Like if we sent a message to to John now and said that happened, this episode, yeah. he'd be like, "Oh my god!" The amount of crying, laughter emojis he'd send back to us. But 
It works. Yeah, it works. It does work. It does it, work. It does work. And you know what is going to work as best as it damn can, but probably won't because we're a bit shorthanded this week and we haven't got that much. <laughs> We've already talked about it a lot. It's Cthulhu Corner and we're going to go to it right now. Welcome to Cthulhu Corner. Yeah. With me, Gaz. Yeah, weird weird that you're doing it, but go on. Do you, do you like the sort of, do you like the smooth sort of... Uh, yeah, I say um, all hail Cthulhu. Like You've made it like a small vibe. town radio late night discussion yeah. show yeah. where people are going yeah, like to call in. People are going to call in and they're going to give us our problems. With theories. Yeah, well, or, yeah, or no, their theories. But like their their sort of conspiracy like X Files style yeah, theories. That so works that's where as we well. Go with this because to be fair, we could do with that because we haven't got a lot in the corner uh, this week. Um, you stole most of it throughout the episode, which yeah. you know, classic I'm, me. I'm bitter about because you asked me to do this and then stole all the bits. I did it on purpose so that you would be in this position, live <laughs> on air and have nothing. <sighs> then everyone would go lens wave it at this. Go on then. Yeah, 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 because I don't steal it from you. But I will, I'll rise above this and I'll give you a couple of bits, all right? Um, first of all, this is a, it's a relatively simple start, but a huge part of this, a uh, huge theme throughout this episode is, of course, interdimensional travel. Yes. Um, and... Uh, you and I love a bit of interdimensional travel. We're big fans of that. Uh, other people that might be a big fan of that uh, are Lovecraft fans because Ooh. it's a it's a recurring theme. It's a heavy trope of love, Lovecraftian writing. Um, a lot of otherworldly locations that sort of feature different physics um, or physical laws that that don't apply to Earth. That 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 is a a, a big feature. Of Lovecraft, Lovecraft's writing, things like Mount at the Mountain of Madness, um, sort of re- references it. Call of Cthulhu, um, so color out of space. That color out of space, of course. Yeah, um, all of that is. Um, I, th- I think it's some of the most Lovecraftian features of anything that we've actually seen in this show. Um, as as much as it isn't a direct like oh yeah look at this bit that's from Lovecraftian writing it's very much Lovecraftian inspired I think. Um, you have of course discussed Hippolyta so I won't go into that but yeah. you know um, Hippolyta and Queen of the Amazons the Greek mythology is Queen mm. of the Amazons um, in DC mythology she's the mother of Diana correct AKA Wonder Woman AKA um, Wonder so Woman. I wonder what that I, I wonder, wonder what that means. What that means. Oh. Yep. What that means for Diana. Maybe next week we'll find out more, as you as you said. Yes. Right. I've got a really tenuous one. Yeah. Now. And I would like your opinion on it because, honestly, I came up with this all by myself. Probably wrong then, but go on. Tell me what you think. Yeah. Hippolyta uh, is whisked away to this other dimension. She's in this sort of little alien area mm-hmm. right sort of in this prison what what item of clothing does she put on then 
uh, a jumpsuit. You think I'm going to say is very reminiscent of Ripley wearing a jumpsuit in Alien. A good, yes, good that. I was going to go Cube, that weird sci-fi film where they all wake up in jumpsuits and there's like rooms where everyone dies and they have to work their way around using maths problems. Sure. Yeah, Let's Cube that and one Alien often compared. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, and, do you know, the only other one that we had has also been discussed. I was going to talk a bit more about Sun Ra and his... his uh, reputation as a cosmic philosopher which i really i mean what a term how and a jazz musician and just a poet and an amazing it's fantastic fantastic i'm going to check out so much more sun ra after this podcast after reading about this fantastic character um this fantastic man who just you know i just am fascinated now i need to find out more so i implore all listeners to do the same yeah he sounds like a cool guy um but uh, unless you've got anything else for Cthulhu all Corner, I'll say I'll, um, is book yeah. differences now oh yeah yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. in the book she gets transported to this one world right where she also finds the way uh, through the orrery uh, she gets to the observatory she gets transported to this one to this one world so this doorway is created to this other world a, a completely different solar system you know, so far away, it's unfathomable. It's uh, got two suns. It's bizarre. And on there, she... F- oh, hold on. Yeah. And... That's interesting. Yeah. So... I'll come back to come that. Come back to that. But on there, on this planet, she discovers um, another black woman. And this woman is actually, turns out, was uh, the sort of... Uh, made of Winthrop, this guy, obviously. And it turns out that Winthrop uh, basically put all of his sort of maids and butlers, because he felt they were keeping information from him, through this doorway and left them stranded on this other world. So they had sort of maids camp there or whatever. And there's this otherworldly creature that's a ball, that's just a black ball that rolls around and then sprouts tentacles and a mouth and eats people and stuff. And oh, cool. that's there, and it's about, and it's a story about how the the maids and the butlers and all this sort of stuff they they basically one by one started dying off until this last lady was left, and Hippolyta's trying to get back home, and it's fascinating. It's it's really bizarre, but as I said, in terms of character development, I feel that one is more that story is more narrative driven. That's more serving the purpose of the entire narrative of the. Uh, book whereas this is solely focused on Hippolyta really and letting that character get a lot more range and freedom that she never had so I actually think in in terms of character development it's a better change but it's a fascinating uh, read so please do go check that out check the book out it's great the book is genuinely great and you'll see there's loads of differences and to be fair it's kind of loosely based on the book now you know what I mean so anyway that's uh, that's the changes there yeah interesting um, planet with two sons that's um uh that's that's pretty lovecraftian as well there's a couple of galaxies in the lovecraftian yeah. fiction yeah there is a galaxy the one they call a cthulhu galaxy what's that one i can't remember what it's called but um that yeah it's good i think we are done in uh cthulhu corner so uh sending it back to you len in the studio. Thanks, Gaz. It's time for listener feedback. And you can write into us. All you have to do is email fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com. That is fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, the email will also be in the show notes, so you don't have to 
keep listening to me say that just check out the show notes fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com we've got a couple of emails this week um not as much as last week because we don't have time but we'll get through what we can cj has been in touch cj fitzgerald and said perhaps it won't we talked about this time travel element and how we hadn't considered time travel as the reason why montrose killed yahima remember now cj suggested that it might be time travel because we knew there was going to be some sort of time travel thing going on. And now we know it's not time travel necessarily, but alternate dimension shifting. It kind of could still work as time travel. Um, but he says perhaps it won't be time travel, but rather a premonition for us to see later that prompts Montrose to commit the act. We shall wait and see. So I thought that was interesting as well, this idea that uh, Montrose might have seen something that we haven't, you know. So hold on to your hats. There might be redemption for him yet, but let's face it, there's no never going to be redemption for him because he did something terrible. Um, I doubt he'll get excused for it, but let's see. Bobby Boos has been in touch to say this. I hope I pronounced your, your name correctly there, Bobby. I'll just say Bobby B. It's easier that way. Bobby B has said this. Bobby B. I often seek out podcasts that cover new shows that I know have a complicated narrative. It's always helpful to, to dissect the layers that good writing brings to a story. I also know I need to give a, uh, a new podcast at least at least three episodes before I decide if I like it. Jumping into hosts and their banter might be annoying if I don't give it time for me to get to know the hosts. I want to thank you for your critical podcast that embraces different perspectives. When John was voicing his criticism, it was never challenged. It was accepted and truly added to the idea that no matter how you feel, your opinion can be valid without dismissing it. Thank you for providing so many viewpoints and for keeping me listening to feel a part of the many different views, critical or not, but a thirst to enjoy the ride despite some flaws to the actual work. Bobby B from LA yeah no worries Bobby uh, thank you for um, writing in and letting us know that you like our critical take on the show right Gareth yeah absolutely I think um, we even we even disagree with ourselves yeah, we disagree rather quite a lot. than with other people like um, you know the, the, I think that's a, that's a big part of watching a show like this is that you, you know you're going to get different views and sometimes you even have different views to yourself mm. i think the other thing is like we've, we've talked about this before but we have to be able to analyze like although the messaging of the show is on point in terms of the what they're tr- you know the subtext of the show is great are they delivering it in the best way possible episodes like this one and last week's episode i think definitely highlight that they have they are but there are some missteps in there and and we have to be honest and say that sometimes there are ways they can be delivering the subtext better you know what I mean? There are there are better ways of doing it sometimes. But on the most part, I think we've been pleasantly surprised at how well the show has juggled um, its offbeat tone and roller coaster ride of emotions and also genres. So it's done a pretty good job, especially in the last two weeks. And finally, uh, Yaya has been in touch and says, Hello all, I've enjoyed your podcast so far. Looking forward to your takes from the rest of the season. Jamie Chung, the actress who plays GR, was was the pink alien from the first episode and the woman Tick was fighting in the room during episode two. So just pause the email there. Interesting. The Did not know about the, the pink alien thing from the first episode. I definitely thought it was potentially... Um, Oh no, we did say we weren't sure about that in episode two. So, yeah, I was going to say I, yeah, I thought I thought we thought, thought it was, that it was uh, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not 100 percent on that, but the the pink alien thing. Wow, good spot. Did not know that. I believe each person when they were trapped in their rooms as entertainment were visited by who they loved. 
Uncle George was met by Dora, Tick's mum, who we still don't have a backstory on. But just to pause the email there, we now know that, that George's love for Dora was probably fine and that Tick is probably George's son because Montrose never slept with her, potentially. Interesting. Um, very good point. Atticus was visited by GR and Letty saw Tick. Also wanted to mention that the boy who was Bobo was definitely supposed to be Emmett Till. If you look at the outfit he has on when they're playing in the basement, he's got on a similar tie to the typical picture that goes around of Emmett Till. I hope this brutal murder is not included in this series. Yeah, second that. Um, and that is a very good, well, that is very good like, yeah, costuming I, I think, point. <clears throat> I, think it's, um, I think it's pretty well established that Emmett, Emmett Till... I think he was known as Bobo and there's the scene in today's episode mm. when they're playing cards yeah. and one of the kids says like when's Bobo again? Exactly, yeah. Oh. So they're, they're, yeah. I think and the other thing is we might hear more of Bobo next week uh with with D's storyline in the next episode. So let's keep a lookout for that. Also, did you notice how the white woman Ruby turned into is the same woman who plays uh the sheriff woman in episode two you know the woman with the dogs i don't feel like this aspect has been addressed enough by various podcasts doing the breakdown i wonder if there's a reason for that yeah uh we actually did talk about it but i think i edited it out of the podcast when we discussed it or it was a throwaway no, line i think it's in yeah there. i think it's in um there. but yeah we did say I that, he kept that it i think it was like a throwaway line but yeah it was interesting to me that they kept that character on um in the book in, and you see it in this episode the reason is because um they have to keep these bodies sort of suspended in this vegetative state. And that is how they get the um, potion out of them and use their blood as a potion to transform. But it's also interesting because for the person who's sort of brain dead or essentially dead, they are actually living through the person who transforms into them. So it's an, it's an extra chance of giving them something to live for, if you get what I mean, not just that they're vegetative. So I thought that is interesting. That's a book thing for you yeah but they don't have any conscious awareness no of it, but if they no they have no con- in the book? yeah they have no conscious awareness of it they are just dreaming whatever this person who takes their blood potion does so it's quite interesting to me that like like the character the braithwaite in the book uses that as a bit of leverage for ruby and it's like look you're giving these people the chance to live a little if you get what i mean so right okay it's a bit interesting um and yes um I'm sure we'll see a bit more <laughs> of the character. Bit. Yeah, a little bit of tidbit there for you. Um, so that's it for feedback this week. Uh, we've run a bit over, but you can email us at fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com. Once again, in the show notes, you can follow us on Instagram at fan underscore critical, Twitter at fancriticalpod, and we are fancritical on Facebook. That is it for this week, covering episode seven, titled I Am. Next week, we will be back for episode eight. I want to thank Gareth for joining me on this cosmic adventure with Hippolyta, this therapeutic, spiritual, freeing adventure where one of the the show's, let's be honest, minor characters up to this point has really come to the forefront and essentially given one of the show's best performances so far. Yeah, no, and, you know, I think the same can be applied to this this podcast. Oh, yeah. One of our sort of minor contributors yeah. has stepped up and hosted yeah brilliantly Brilliant. so well done well good done lenny boy good, good job good one. thanks uh thank you to everyone for listening please do subscribe once again check out patreon patreon.com forward slash fan critical any support would be amazing 
just your subscriptions are enough guys and we love making content for you and we'll be back doing that next week see you later everybody bye <laughs>